Perfect. Let me mute this. Um, All right. One year later. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. All right. Amazing. It really is. Where were you? Uh, Molly has gymnastics. Oh, that's right. I watched... I shouldn't say I didn't watch any of it. I was able to watch the first half. We went to March 1st. It's right across the street. Okay. Um, I watched the first half there, and then I tried to pull it up on my phone, and it worked, but it was just too, like, slow to really keep track of it, so I just followed it on Score Mobile, and that was something. (laughs) All right. I honestly stopped. Well, I'll get into it. I, I I stopped paying attention when they were up sixty six to sixty with fifty seconds left. I'm like, all right, I really shouldn't be able to lose this game, but miss, miss a bunch of free throws. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, we'll start in seven seconds. Welcome back to Sports Intoxication. It's been been a while since uh, we did one of these, so uh, patience. Um, uh, joined by Matt tonight. Howdy. And uh, we made it through the entire season, and now we are back. Yeah, we um, we had like a we had well, Chase isn't with us tonight. Um, he's he's on vacation, so um, good for him. But he had a little issue that we were weren't we didn't record for a while because he had a, a house fire. Um, yeah. So, um, but we're, we're basically we're 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 here tonight doing a quote unquote emergency podcast because um, we missed the whole Xavier season and the whole Bengals season. But uh, we're here to talk about Xavier because um, another a deja vu moment on the group text I was texting. Uh, we were texting and I said, this feels exactly like one year ago uh, in the Big East tournament where Xavier had a more talented team than Butler, was in control of the game, and yet lost. Um, poor, poor free throw shooting down the stretch. Uh, just, I mean, I know, Matt, you were, weren't able to watch all of it, um, but – it, it begged the uh, the emergency podcast. So um, I, I, I'll i tell you first, um, and this, this episode is going to be about Xavier. So um, Ben in Boston, if you're listening, you can probably hang up. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm numb, and I have been for months. Like, I, I don't oh, care. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't upset. I didn't yell at the TV. I just was like, Holy shit! They're going to do this again. Um, I don't care. My level of apathy is just it. it it's like okay, they suck. And, and yeah, falling down the stretch here in the regular season, and now the tournament, um, they've lost what eight of ten, right? Eight of ten. Um, and the two wins were over Butler and Georgetown, and they could have lost yeah. either of those games, yeah. or not the Georgetown game, but they could have. Um, they could have lost the Butler game. And then um, 
I know they also had a win in there a little bit before that against DePaul that they easily could have lost, and they did lose to DePaul at home. Um, so I, I see this whole thing as a, a completely rudderless ship. I see no improvement. I see, uh, I see nothing, and I don't care. Um, I'm not really a fan uh, as of right now. So having said all that, um, let's get your, your thoughts on everything. Yeah. I mean, you've been, um, what you've, you haven't been to a game since what the shootout back in December. Um, (laughs) I stopped going after the DePaul game, uh, that they lost at home, which I believe was the weekend after the, uh, I don't know when that was, but it was a terrible game, terrible loss, you know, whatever. Um, I think I missed the last five home games. Um, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, just kind of apathetic. You know, I, it's funny. You get to the March, you get to the Big East tournament, and I, find, I found myself, you know, wanting them to win, rooting hard for them to win, just because, you know, having a team advance in March is, is fun. And, um, you know, having your team play in the NCAA tournament is is an awesome thing um, that we haven't had to experience now in four years. I just, you know, I guess there's still a very slim chance that they get in this year. I don't know how, but supposedly there is. Um, you know, I don't – I agree. You know, it took a couple minutes to kind of sink in that they lost this game again just similar meltdown fashion to how they've quite honestly lost way too many games in the, over the last two years. Um, you know, you have more talent and you're just neither not ready to play or, or well, I shouldn't even say you have more talent. I don't know that you had, I don't know that they had more talent. Um, Cause <laughs> it sure doesn't look like it. Um, no, that's fair. The, player, the players don't get better. Um, and it's it's frustrating. Um, as someone who's been going to games for a long time, I don't know how to really feel or process, you know, what is going on with the program that has been as consistent as anything that we've been around in terms of a sports team over the majority of our lives. Um, yeah. You know, this the program has gone to hell here. Um, I don't know how else you put it. Um, and you know, I said it last year in the same situation. You have to make a change. I don't think I still don't think they're going to. Um, but it's not working what they're doing. No. Um, there's no identity on this team. There's no toughness on this team. There's no, you know, dude, <laughs> there's just no good players on this. Team. I, I, I don't know. Um, the fact that that Butler team beat you two years in a row, the fact that, you know, you lose to Butler last year after blowing a 19 point lead in the first round of the East tournament and you come out tonight and the team you've beaten twice, and you just 
you don't I, I, I just don't understand how, how there's not more motivation to come out and play and to, to finish a game. How do you go 12 to 27 at the free throw line? How do you just how do you blow a six point lead in the final 50 seconds? And a team uh, that you beat twice that yes, the second Butler game was close because of the end, but a, a, the, both those games, Xavier controlled for yep. the, the most part of the game. And then as what we saw down the stretch against St. Seton Hall and Providence and St. John's and, uh, you know, Xavier caught Marquette early in one, one game, but then yeah. all those other games were the exact same. They were carbon prints of each other where Xavier was in the game, but couldn't quite get over the hump. They didn't really get blown out a bunch except for maybe the St. John's game at St. John's, but, this game, those other two Butler games, they had control of those games. Yeah. They were, and this game, they never, you never felt really comfortable except for up six with 50 seconds left. The rest of the game, it was back and forth. Butler, it was tied at halftime. Butler took an early lead in the second half. Um, and then Xavier fought back, and then uh, it was back and forth. I can tell you that the only reason that I was rooting for that I had interest in this game from a fan standpoint is that I wanted something to do at work tomorrow um, to hop on the Fox sports app yeah. and have that on. And that would kill two hours of my day um, yeah. while I was looking at other stuff, doing, you know, whatever work stuff. And, and that's, so that's the only disappointment that I have is that there's not a two hour distraction from, from work tomorrow. Yeah. It, you hit the nail on the head. Um there's there's no guys aren't getting better. I think that we expected a big jump this year from guys like Colby Jones, um, who is a guy that at times is assertive and when he is, he's pretty good, but at other times he just fades into the background. He's not a very good shooter. I think he's a twenty seven percent three point shooter for the year. Um, I know that I think we would have expected a jump from Fremantle this year in the toughness and defense department because that was such a issue last year. And then instead we got hit. He got injured. Not we got, he got injured and wasn't able to play the first month of the season. And then he spent the next month, six weeks catching up, getting his yeah. footing, still being a major liability on defense. And by the end of the year, you're just sitting there saying, okay, well, he's, he's a solid post player on offense. Um, by the end of the year, he hit a big three yeah. tonight. Um, but he's not, he's certainly not an all conference player that he was preseason. And that would lead to the other guy that was a preseason all conference player, Paul Scruggs, who, um, it, he just, he makes baffling mistakes he misses free throws at inner top i think he's a 71 percent free throw shooter he missed he's 0 for 3 in his last free throws uh possibly in a xavier uniform um colby missed two free throws as well yeah. um it just yeah like i mean to be able to to watch that and see it coming from a mile away um, I agree with you. I don't think there'll be a move. I don't think that they'll fire him. And we could be wrong um, because maybe they, they, they're they fed up, but there just hasn't been any – hasn't been any news about pressure or a hot seat yeah. or – it's just – it's been too quiet. And 
it's also not really a move that, I mean, in our lifetimes that Xavier's made. So I don't know how Xavier reacts to underperforming coaches. I don't know if they are the 90s Mike Brown who got rid of every coach after you know, five games if they started 0-5, or if they're the 2000s Mike Brown that let Marvin Lewis hang on for way too long. Um, because every coach before us in our lifetimes literally has had yeah, such great success, success yeah. that they get hired away. Yeah, and, you know, I think the the main issue that I have with the current coaching staff, other than the players just not getting better is the team doesn't get any better. You know, I, you know, I could maybe understand, you know, players not taking a leap or, you know, they max out their potential. Um, But as a team, you watch them and it's just like, holy crap, this is not good basketball. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't know what they're doing. They, they, they continue. And, you know, this has been a topic of conversation for all four years now of Travis Steele. And, you know, I don't know, it's not coaching, but it, like they can't shoot at all. Um, so if you can't shoot and that's how you are designing your, program to shoot you know 20 25 threes a game well either you're not recruiting the right guys you're not getting the right guys or you need to reevaluate how you are building your program how you're Uh, working on it how like yeah because i was going to say when you said it's not his fault it's our about the shooting is if you bring in a nate johnson to be a great three-point shooter and he was for the time that he was healthy last year and he went into a little bit of slump at the end of last year. Then we found out he was dealing with something the whole year. And then this year he's been very streaky. Yeah. Um, but that's why you brought him in. It's because he's supposed to be a great shooter. Same thing with Nate Kunkel and Nate Kunkel was brought in as more of a instant offense kind of guy. He's a guy that can create his own shot, but he's also supposed to be a capable shooter. Um, coming into this year, I think Paul Scruggs was the, they talked about it on the Musketeer Report podcast for I think going into Paul's senior season that he's a thirty five percent three point shooter something his first couple of years he was the exact same it was or it was thirty three or thirty four thirty five uh, I think this year he's been worse than that I know he's hit some some in big moments but um, it just is I mean it's. No, no the, the you hit the nail on the head with the team doesn't get better. Uh, they make the same mistakes. They turn the ball over with careless, careless things. Um, I don't know if I see them running a lot of what I heard uh, Rick Broering on the radio today with Mo Egger saying that Mo said if Xavier gets into the tournament, could you see them making a run? And he said, yes, absolutely. Because one thing that Travis Steele does so well is his X's and O's when an opponent doesn't know him are really good. That's why Xavier's able to beat an Ohio state in the non-conference. That's why Xavier's able to beat the teams that they have beaten the non-conference the last few years. And they have had great non-conferences yeah. the last couple of years, 
But then Rick says, but they run all the same sets. And so in the Big East, everybody knows what he's going to – and I'm like, is that really, like, what's happening? That yeah. everybody coach. just – like, yeah, like, let's coach. Let's change something up. Let's do something. Yeah. That's unbelievable to me that you would just say that and be like, oh, that's okay. Like, he just – my God. Yeah, like, you watch – and that's just – I mean, I – I've heard that before, and, you know, it's great. You look at Providence, Ed Cooley, what Ed Cooley just done there. He's, I think he's a phenomenal coach. You know what they run? They run flex offense. That's like 90% of the offense that they run. It's just simple flex. You watch them play this weekend. If a team's playing man-to-man, they will literally just put four guys on the baseline, run pick and pop, pick and pop, pick and pop. So you learn that in third grade, <laughs> yeah. and it works. They're number they're number one seed. They're probably going to be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. And yeah, granted, he doesn't have a ton of success in you know the NCAA tournament or, or things like that. But like, I, I don't like that argument of, and I I know it's not coming from you, but like the fact that these coaches know what Xavier's going to run. Well. I could tell you what Providence is going to run, and they still figure out ways to do it. Um, Villanova is the same way. Like, you know what Villanova is going to do. They still win games. They make shots. Um, And to your point about Ed Cooley and Providence, coming into the year this year, I think Providence was was picked to be probably bottom half of the league. Um, And Xavier was picked to be top half of the league. and so that tells you the coaching – to me, that tells you the coaching job's done by their respective coaches. And you know, like, it's – it would be one thing if this year was an anomaly or, you know, if this – if there was injuries that kind of plagued it. And, yeah, Nate Johnson was hurt for a few games. Um, but this has been four years in a row that Xavier started out really well and non Well, they didn't – I guess this first year they didn't – they didn't do a great job, not, but the other three years, they were what eleven and two, eleven and two, and this year I think eleven and you know they were, I think they only had two losses, Virginia Tech and uh, or Iowa State, and is that it? I think that's it. I would, yeah, yeah, that's it. They had one loss in non-conference, and then you finish out the year 18 and 13. Whew, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, that's three years in a row, and that's why I think, you know, it's going to be a hard sell to bring him back. I don't care about the recruiting class. The recruiting class means nothing to me. Like, recruiting is only as good as how you coach him up, and – He's done a nice job, I guess. You know, Colby Jones is supposed to be this stud player. He hasn't taken the steps. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, I'm more interested in the conversation of where this program goes from here than kind of rehashing this game or, or this season just because I don't care about this season. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Again, they, they might sneak into the tournament as a first four team. I doubt it. I hope they don't. 
because that's just giving Travis Steele another year. Um, but I was just – Lenardi was just on ESPN saying Xavier was still one of his last four teams in after this loss. And it's just like, how is that possible? But, you know, um, I know a couple guys on Twitter have said – bracketologists have said they still have a chance. It's just like, uh, I hope I hope they don't get in. Yeah, I – I'm with you because because I want to see change, um, and I just like it. I think that people, certain people, have said like, "Why would you root against your team?" or blah blah blah, blah. and that you're not a fan. Like it, the definition of insanity is repeating behavior and expecting yeah. a different result, and that's all mm-hmm. I'm seeing is the same result, and so. I'm not interested in another year of it. And, um, you know, I'm with you. Like if, if this is what they're going to bring back, then I don't really have interest in, in paying money to go watch it. Um, yeah, no, I, I won't get them. I, I say that now. I don't think I would. Um, it's fresh. I agree. Yeah. And like, you know, it's the first time in since, what, 1983, I think, that they've missed four straight NCAA tournaments, uh, assuming they're going to miss, which that's just the assumption that I'm going to get with because I'm don't, i not expecting them to get in. Um, and so what do you do? I, I think that's the really interesting conversation. I, and I've said this for two years now, at least, is – the basketball that they're playing under Travis Dio is not what got Xavier basketball to be Xavier basketball. And I don't care um, that he wants to be like Villanova. You know what? You're not going to be. I understand it took Villanova a long time. It took Jay Wright a few years to get that way, but that's, that's not, I don't think that's a program that's really, going to be sustainable um at a place like x i don't i don't know but like this team doesn't have toughness they don't have i know i said this exact same thing at the end of this game last year but it's not it's not xavier basketball it's not guys being tough guys doing the extra things to win games you know i think about Guys like Tyree Jones, who I, I know I've said on this before, I think about guys like James Farr, um, yeah. CJ Anderson, um, yeah. not not stud players like your JP McCures or your Trayvon Lewis. I think about the guys that do the little things that you know show up on stat sheets a few rows down the column, right? Not the first column of points, not the first column of, or not, you know, not the second column of. I guess the second count is probably rebounds. But, I mean, I think that's the big thing is, you know, this team just doesn't have the toughness, the will to win that teams under Sean Miller, under Thad Mata, under Chris Mack, under even Skip Prosser, they had. They, they had that, like, underdog mentality of, you know what, we might, we might not have more talent than you, but we're going to compete our asses off every night no matter what. And when we do have more talent than you, we're going to come out and we're going to beat you. And when we get ahead, we're going to continue to beat you. Yeah. 
Um, one thing that I've noticed a big shift in philosophy really since they came to the big East was, um, having bigger guards. They, for a few years there, they had smaller guards. And, and in that time I was always frustrated because those guards got bodied up a lot. Um, but those guards were those, they're smaller guards back like two Holloway, um, Mark Lyons, those guys yeah. were shot makers too. Yeah. And since Xavier has gone to recruiting bigger guards, and honestly, since they've, except for T. Davis, um, they've had nothing but big guards. Guys like um, like Paul Scruggs and like Ed Sumner um, and like Samaj Kristen, and, and none of those guys have been able to shoot. Yeah. And a lot of those smaller guards, and now it's frustrating to see X when they go against small guards. Those guys are quick. They get right around our guys like every time. And those also, also teams have small guys that can shoot. And so it's like, okay, they can go around you. They can go over you. And it's not a problem either way. Yep. Zero resistance. Um, I agree totally with the, the toughness. I agree with the, the, the lack of identity. I don't, I don't. And, and you know, me, I'm a guy that really gets into recruiting and, is always looking at the next thing, hopefully the next thing being, you know, the savior or the, um, the next great thing. But I, I also look around college basketball this year and have seen teams that hired coaches, programs like Marquette that they're going to the NCAA tournament, uh, with the first year head coach. And meanwhile, when, Travis took over at X. We were giving him a few years. We we and and we were very patient the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, I know the era is a little different with the transfer portal now, but still, it's not a reason, as you said earlier, to to hold on to somebody. Uh, it's time to start over. And with whether whether it's with Sean uh, coming back or another thing that I was ironically reading across the bottom line tonight was that uh usc coach andy edfield got extended to 2027 2028 he's the guy from florida gulf coast that waited took a job in southern california for a program that was not anywhere was not good and has turned him into a tournament team with doing things i mean like when i see stuff like that i i look at it just I look at the state of Xavier basketball and I say it's not where it needs to be and no. granted we were spoiled because it was so good for so long but um but I also look around and look at these losses that they had this year like you know losing to St. John's twice losing to Seton Hall twice Seton Hall's not that not that good like those teams aren't good like and those are the kind of wins that if they went one and one against those two teams, they'd be in. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you know, what, they've lost like 15 home games or something like that in the last four years in the Big East. Yeah. Which – you know, I get it. It's a harder conference, but that's just unheard of for the Centaur Center. It's not 
And the whole harder conference thing, like they had more success when they first got into the conference. Yeah. When they were making a jump from an A10 team to a Big East team, they had more success. And they're honestly, they bottomed out these last two years when they were an eight seed this year. And what were they last year? Seven, maybe. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Um, you know, in other years, they they were top yeah. three, four seed, uh, yeah. five seed, whatever. And it just, yes. And, and it, it, it just is, it's mind boggling to see how far they've dropped back. And I talked about this last year on this same podcast, um, or maybe the ones following it that. I think I had a hot take about Georgetown because they had like two or three five stars coming in or something and that they were going to pass Xavier. That didn't happen. Um, but no. it's not that far off either. I mean, X is better and beat them by a handy amount, but at the same time, what difference does it make? Neither of them are going to the tournament. Right. Um, and I would also argue that assuming that a couple kids stick around at Georgetown, um, they might have a better team next year than X because they did have some some young guys that were yeah. playing meaningful minutes that are going to have experience that uh, that Xavier's young guys don't. And it just, yeah, I I was thinking about that too about the current roster and what next year looks like. And um, you know, Jack Nungy's a great player. We've talked about Fremantle. Jerome Hunter's going to be on this team next year. Ben Stanley might be on this team next year. Their two freshmen this year were front court players, uh, Caesar Edwards and Elijah Tucker. Those guys are still have they have four guys in front of them theoretically next year. Yeah. Um. So another year of them not seeing the it just it 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 brings me no hope or uh, yeah I don't know how you can think next year is going to be any better. Um, assuming this coaching staff is still intact. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not the coaching staff. I, I mean, I really – I mean, it definitely is. But, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe these guys just aren't very good. I don't know. Well, that's but, on them. Like, if, yeah. you, if you aren't bringing in the right guys. Yeah. And, and we've already seen – instances where they weren't bringing in the right guys because of like, you know, Demir Bishop was here for half a year, if that, and left. And um, Welcher was here for a year and left. And if that's because I think Demir Bishop couldn't play at this level, I don't know that he's necessarily dominating at a lower level. I think he went to St. Joe's. Um, CJ Welcher, I've been following him this week, this year. He's definitely played some, some minutes for Nebraska. Nebraska's terrible, but I've seen some games where he's hit some shots, shot making something X needs, but I also had, he was kind of a slow footed guy on defense and yep. X doesn't need another poor defender, especially on the perimeter. Um, so that tells me that you identified a wrong guy. Um, and I don't have the ability to sit here and say that this is who they should have taken, or this is who they should have. Um, but I can tell you that, a lot of their near misses, um, guys like Travion Williams for Purdue are doing big things. Um, and so for whatever reason, 
it just isn't working. And like you said, whether it's development or whether it's just not getting the right guys, it's not working and I have no faith. And I also, I have this theory about the current coaching staff that especially steel, that he's just so obsessed with recruiting and bringing guys in and quote unquote competition that eventually you have too many pieces. And right now this roster has too many pieces. Like you have Kiki Tandy and Ben Stanley and Deontay miles. And the two freshmen that I mentioned that are all scholarship players that aren't meaningful contributors playing meaningful minutes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I don't think that's really how you build it. I think that you want to have a little bit of depth and maybe that's, Maybe Travis got gun shy because the last two years, you could say that injuries were a factor with Paul Scruggs being hurt two years ago and Nate being hurt last year. But, um, but still, like, you can't have 13 guys. Right. Yeah. Cause you can't keep 13 guys happy. Well, and the thing is, if you're going to have 13 guys, then, then play them, play them in the meaningful minutes, you know, like, you know, we talked about it earlier uh, in a text chain, but like Jack Nunzi and Zach Freeman will play in a combined 77 minutes tonight out of 90 when you have Cesar Edwards, when you have, I mean, put Ben Stanley in there for a couple of minutes, put these guys in because guess what? If you won that game, you're going to have to turn around and play tomorrow. Yep, in another, yeah. In another important game. And so you just, I understand like the next game doesn't matter unless you win this one. But at the same time, like why do you have all these guys on your roster? If you're just not going to play them, like why is, why is Paul Scruggs playing? I think he played all but one minute until he fouled out whenever I, I don't know when he fouled out. I don't know what the time point of that was, but like, well, to that playing? point, and Duane Odom played 11 minutes in this game. Adam Kunkel played 17 um, Paul, Colby, Nunji, and Zach all played 38 or more minutes, I think. Um, when, when Paul went out, Kunkel and Colby were the ball handlers, and Duan was still on the bench until Kunkel fouled out, I think. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I don't, I don't understand. He's, yeah, I, I, I don't get that either. Like, the guy was brought in, he's, Supposedly this all-world, you know, he can't shoot, but he gets to the rim. He can – he takes – makes defenders, you know, think about, you know, he's going to drive and he can finish. He's a good finisher. Um, he's a good free-throw shooter, you know, yeah, somehow. Yeah, use that. Uh, um, like, play him. Like, that's – like, what is this roster even going to look like next year is so interesting to me. Absolutely. If Steele's back, I would have to think there's going to be a few transfers. Uh, If he's not back, there's probably going to be a few transfers. I mean, the thing with the transfer portal is you can kind of rebuild um, and and do it quickly. Um, You know, I don't think it's something that, you know, the right guy can't come in here and get this team back to the NCAA tournament, a la Marquette, right? Like, you know. So I guess kind of transitioning, you know, if you, I think I know your answer, but you know, if you, in your dream world, 
you know, what is what does Xavier look like in 2022-23 at this point? I mean, I think that I haven't done a lot of research on candidates who could be next if Xavier were to move on from Steele. Obviously, the one big name out there is Sean Miller, and I'd be thrilled about that um, only because he's done it here before. He's had success. He had enough success to get that job out in Arizona. Um, and he had success there to a to a certain oh, yeah. extent. Um, I mean, he didn't get the Final Four, which that was a big thing. Really and hard to do. It is. Um, and I would say that uh, – but honestly, if – if that's not a situation that Xavier can, they want to dip their toe in because of how he left Arizona. Um, I don't care. Then hire somebody else. Like, uh, you know, Porter Moser's moved on from Loyola Chicago, but there's, there's, there's people out there. Shit. Hire the guy from Bellarmine. They just moved up to D one. And I mean, like my point is that you often hear about coaches and you, they talk about, coaching to their roster um using what they have and one of the things that we talked about was last year was because we saw all these bodies are they going to play fast are they going to play 12 guys and press and whatever again i'm not trying to get back to last year's team but i'm just saying i would like a coach with some flexibility that in the example of Chris Mack, when he was here and had Matt Stainbrook, they came up with the one three one because they needed to hide Matt Stainbrook on defense. I didn't see any of those kind of – yes, X played a little bit of zone every now and then, but I didn't see those kind of adjustments where when this team was so bad defensively for so many games um, where they made those adjustments. When this team plays yeah. a team like St. John's and they speed it up and they're going to trap you and do all this stuff and get more ball handlers on the floor. Yeah. Um, it just I, – I want a coach that – that has that flexibility. Um, again, Sean, Sean would be a home run in my book. If it's not Sean, then I'm, I probably am looking at a, a younger guy that, you know, um, has had some success at a smaller school. Again, we don't have any experience with this. The last time Xavier went outside, um, was Thad Mata when they hired him from Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Um, but I think that I, I, I just need to hear a different voice. Um, the funny thing about this whole thing that even during the Marvin Lewis era, as a comparison point for the Bengals, um, I could look at things and say, well, with, with Andy and Marvin, they can make the playoffs. They could be average. And if they win a couple games that are close, then they can get in the playoffs and we'll turn the playoffs who knows what happens. I don't have, I, I have zero faith in anything changing. If he's back next year, I think they're oh, yeah. a bottom big East team. Yeah. Right um, back at the same, right back in the same situation. Yep. A year from right now, we're playing in the eight, nine game against probably Butler. Who's like, just kind of funny. And it's just a mirror image of what Xavier's kind of gone through ever since Holton left. Yep. Except uh, they did go to a tournament with uh, yeah. Val Jordan. <laughs> yeah. um, no, and and so that's that's my answer is is just just different um, is what I'm looking for. And and Sean Miller would be great. I think that if you you hired Sean Miller, then um, there's a chance to keep some continuity with 
Uh, I would think Danny Peters would stick around because he was on his staff yeah. at Arizona. Maybe he would want to keep a guy like Dante if Dante's worth keeping because he's a ex guy. But he played for him for a couple years or for at least a year. Did he? Okay. Um, and and then maybe that keeps some of the guys or recruits or whatever. And then they bring in some pieces. And then I at least have faith, even with some of those same faces back next year, I would at least have faith that the coach is doing something to get more out of them because I don't have that faith in the current staff. Yeah. No, I I think that's fair. You know, my answer is the same as it was this time last year. I mean, I would – I don't think Xavier will do it. I, I just – I don't think they would. Um, but I would absolutely go hire him. There's no reason not to. What he did, so when, again, has never been proven, I don't think. But right. it's not it's not illegal anymore. No, not, not to say that that's, like, um, okay. But, like, who cares? Um you're in the business to win basketball games. It doesn't matter yeah, really what it looks like. Um, I would hire Miller, Sean Miller. And if you don't want to hire Sean, I would probably consider hiring Archie at that point. Um, you know, someone who has proven track record of success, maybe not at Indiana, which he didn't have, but he had success at, at Dayton. They went to Elite Eight. Um, and maybe it just didn't work out at the IU and second chance, you know, whatever. Well, did they go uh, to a tournament or two under him? I don't know. I don't know if they did or not. Um, the only th- reason but, I ask is because it, it's long been thought that, that IU has, the IU fans place themselves in a class that they're not in that they don't yeah. have a realistic viewpoint of their program and its place in college basketball. And the same could not be said of Xavier fans because we're not asking for national championships and no. a bunch of final fours and all this stuff. We're asking for tough teams that improve, that make the tournament. Um, yeah. And once you're in the tournament, you have a chance. Um and the thing is, it's not it, it like it's not hard. It's not hard to make the tournament in the Big East. It, no, it, it's not. Oh, you have to win ten games in conference, and you're going to get in. It was a hell of a lot harder to make the tournament in the A10. Yeah, because you you had to schedule harder, and you had to go fifteen and two, or fifteen and one, fourteen and two. 13 and three to get in. Like you had to win 90% of your conference games. Yep. And now you have to win 50% of them. And yeah, the, the, the teams are better, but you get them all at home. There's no right. reason that you should lose five home games in conference when you're playing at Centos Center. And you have the ability to we've seen it 
We've, we saw it all year this year. You have the ability to play with every single one of these teams. There's not a team in the Big East this year that, quote-unquote, outclassed Xavier. They played two tight games with Villanova, one in which they were up big at halftime, one in which they were down big at halftime and came back. The only yeah. team that really beat them handily was was St. John. John's. Yeah. Um, every other game they were in. And so you have the ability to – to be right there. You just need better players, better coaches, better shooting. I mean, that's that's the other thing is to say that they were in all those games. Look at their three-point percentage in all those games. Or yep. look at their free throw percentage in probably a handful of those games. Um, that they could have won any number of them if they hit a couple more threes or a couple more free throws. Obviously tonight, both. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I hope (laughs) – I hate to say it, but, I mean, I I hope Sunday Sunday comes around, they don't get their name called, and I hope Monday we get some – it'll be interesting to see what Xavier does if they don't get in. I think it'd be really interesting to see if there's any sort of announcement um, on Monday. Like, even if you know, you would assume it's either a fire or you know nothing. But I, I'd be really interested to see if there's like a statement sent out if they decide to keep them. Like, hey, you know, we're we're keeping them, um, sort of thing. But or if they were to release, I'd be happy if they released a statement that said we're evaluating the position and we're going to yeah, look into things. Something. Because it, it obviously it behooves schools to be ahead of this process. If they're going to fire a coach, fire your coach. Because the opening needs to be out there. You need to know who's interested. You need to know. like yeah. You don't want to be um, a Thad Mata situation at Ohio State when he left in like July. Right. Um, or they fired him in July, and then um, was there somebody in between him and Holtman? I don't think so. Well, if no. not, that was a home run hire. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there was. But, yeah, I mean, something. That's the other thing, like, I the whole thing is is just a mess, and I, I don't. <laughs> I I just think you're gonna have a really hard time selling this fan base on another year of this. A hundred percent, and that's been the, um, you know, our. And that's the, why the worst thing that could possibly happen is them getting into the first four. You know, being because I, I, I think there is a relatively decent chance that they're like the last team that gets put in into the first four. Right. And looking in looking at like bracket matrix and stuff right now, like you know, Wake Forest lost today. The BC, that's a terrible loss. Um like Wyoming, Rutgers, SMU, and Xavier were the last four teams in. So you know, those teams are obviously going to be playing. But then looking at these teams that are, like, the next teams out, 
there's really nobody that's gonna that's gonna make a run. Like Dayton is the second to last team out, and I, I just feel like Dayton's probably got to win the whole thing to get in. You know, like right. I still think there's a. I would probably at this point call it like 50-50 chance that they sneak in, and God, I hope they don't. Like I, I want no part of them playing in that that Dayton game. I don't want to watch this team play anymore, and and that just sucks as a fan to feel that way. Yeah, about I, a team that you because the first you know I I went to that one game whenever that was Chris Mack was coaching Samaje Christian was the was the yeah. point guard was that 2011 or something they were playing NC State and they were in the first four and like. They got their asses kicked, but like, like you're in the NCAA tournament, but you're not really in the NCAA tournament. You have to win that game to get into the tournament. Totally. And I just, uh, for the sake of the program, I, I'm just hoping that they don't get in. And that's why I'm rooting for some of these bubble teams to now win. Well, and that's not what this program has been about. It's not about hanging an NCAA appearance banner. This this program's been about hanging Sweet Sixteens and um, and a few Elite Eights. And so I agree with you. Like, and I agree with you that it's not really even like making the tournament. No, it's not, I, 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 the the what this program has been about has. It just goes back to the culture thing and the like the toughness thing that we talked about before. Like I know I've said, and again I'm repeating myself, but I've said this multiple times on this podcast over the last three years. Like this team does not have the toughness, does not have the attitude that Xavier teams used to have. And that to me is a direct reflection of the coach. Yeah. And I know one guy who will bring that right away. And Sean Miller. Yeah. So that that's my hope is that this time that you know, and I think I, I, I really think the only way that they fire him, Travis Steele, is if you basically announce it the next day that Sean Miller's gonna be here. Oh, yeah, that like only kind of makes sense to me because just the way like the pulse that I feel is going on is I don't think you can bring him back, and I I think there's a groundswell of momentum for for Sean. There's a groundswell of momentum for both, like oh, for yeah. him for Travis to go and for Sean to be back. I totally agree with that. And the other uh, interesting piece is Christopher, right? Like, this is your bellwether program. Yeah. And this is the one hire that you've made. And it's not working out. And so, the interesting thing, like, Mario has been at Xavier forever. And he want I know he wants, you know, he wants to be an AD. Like, could that be something that is out there as well? Yeah. So, I don't know. 
a lot more tame than last year's podcast. This is, you know, I, I, I was expecting them to lose this game, to be perfectly honest. Like, that Georgetown game, like an anomaly more than anything. Like, sure. They shot the ball well. And Georgetown's not great. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that um, – I certainly thought they could lose this game. I thought that it would more be at the hands of uh, Enzi or Golden hitting some shots. Um, really, it was Harris that was kind of the driving force. And then, and like, he gets five fouls or four fouls with six minutes left. And, um, and that's, like, I mean, we've been through it, but, you know, they were up by six. And it wasn't that he came in and made a bunch of shots, too. That's the other thing is if you watch the end of this game – Butler had a lot of wide open threes um, and they had a lot of empty possessions down the stretch that easily could have made this a game that X should not have won and X should have won this game, but they, there were chances for Butler to make this a game that X should not have won just by making some wide open shots. Um, And then instead X just gave it back to him with missed free throws and stupid fouls. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, it'll be it'll be an interesting weekend, um, Sunday and Monday especially, uh, to see to see what happens, to see if there's there's they make it on Sunday, and then if they don't, if there's any any changes, because so will you watch the selection show on Sunday? Um, probably. Uh. Only what, because what will you feel if Xavier's name is up there as a first for team? Um, probably disappointed. Like it doesn't do you any. No, you know, it doesn't I do mean, you any. Unless you unless you pull a Mick Cronin and play in the first four and make a run to the final four. Um, which I mean, this team's not that good. Yeah. So, um. And that's that's the, the kind of point of this is that, I, like, I, it's been said on the message boards and like you know blah blah blah. Oh, if they if they make shots, like, they don't make shots. Like, right. It's not like Marty. This team's gonna hit. No, they're not. They're not. Right. They're not gonna hit. They're not. They're not gonna hit. They're not. This team <laughs> sucks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. Yeah, no, that's a perfect way of putting it because they're just not good. And I don't really want to watch, to your point that you said very early on in this podcast, I don't really want to watch them anymore. No, they're not um, enjoyable to watch. It would be – it. It. I always enjoy the NCAA tournament. It's fun to watch those games, you know, on Thursday and Friday afternoon uh, when there's a bunch of stuff going on because the best part about that is that there's – there's four games on at all times or more. And so you can, yeah. you can watch the good games and watch the potential upsets. And um, Xavier doesn't have to be there for me to find that to be compelling television. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So. Well, that's all I got. I mean, and you know, like to your point about last year's podcasts at this same moment versus this year's, uh, it's a it's a complete reflection on the state of this team and the program. It's complete apathy. Just don't really care. And yeah. 
I don't care to see them try it again with the same guy and uh, won't be invested financially or emotionally next year if they run it back. I'll watch from afar. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what more you need to know other than the last three years, and I'm going to count 2020, the COVID year. They went into the Big East tournament as, and I went back and looked it up. They were six and a half point favorites tonight. I believe they were nine point favorites last year, and they were nine point favorites against DePaul two years ago. What you need to do in all of those games is to win one, is to win the game. Yep. And you feel very good about your chances of entering, of your name being called on Selection Sunday. Like they win the night. They're in the tournament, I think. Same thing as last year. Same thing as last year. Same thing as the pandemic year. Yeah. And all three of the games, you come out and you lose to a team that you went 2-0 against in the regular season. What, What more do you need to know? And this this whole Butler thing is a recent, uh, like downfall because Xavier was they kind of owned Butler, um, yeah, in the beginning of the Big East, and now the 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 pandemic year that lost to DePaul also happened right after X yeah. lost to Butler on the final play of the game when yeah. Nasi Marshall went under a screen, yeah. and that gets back to basketball IQ and that's three years ago. So it's not even worth talking about, but that's a common thread throughout these teams too. It's just doing dumb shit. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's enough about this. Yep. All right. Uh, well, we're going to call it a night agency starts next week. Yeah, we got, we'll, 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 we'll maybe do this again with Chase and uh, we'll talk about uh, more optimistic things. And maybe we'll have something else to talk about as far as, like, you know, a coaching hire or a coaching search or something like that. We'll see. Uh, but until next time, uh, we'll see you later, guys. On the podcast. And the podcast.